The title of our message today is Courageous God Conversations. How can we be courageous? How can we gather the strength to talk about our faith outside? How can we gather the strength and the courage to share our faith outside? And why is it necessary for us to share our faith outside? We are all passionate about something in life. In one season or another, in different seasons of life, we are passionate about different things. One common thing I know about passionate people, people who are passionate about something, they talk about their passions. Those who are passionate about sports always talk about sports. Those who are passionate about cars, they talk about cars. It doesn't take long in a conversation with someone who is passionate about animals to talk about animals. My wife is passionate about cats. She talks about cats all the time. We have two, not just one. And we go to the shop and we keep looking for cat food and cat toys and cat, I don't know, like everything cat. Okay, that's for another day. People are passionate about different things. Some people are passionate about animals. Some people are passionate about social justice. And some people are passionate about the climate. Some people are passionate about fitness. People are passionate about different things. Traveling, cooking. And you are passionate about something. It doesn't take long to realize what someone is passionate about. You just sit with them and you will hear it will come out. Farmers love talking about farming and their animals. One day we were in a connect group with Steve, loves to talk about his cows. And he was explaining something about his cows. And I don't know what happened, but my wife asked, how many cows do you have? And my wife, uh, and Steve responded, a few head. And my wife said, what? Do you have head? In your farm? Just head? Well, <laughs> if you are passionate about something, you even learn the language. So I observed passions and I observed different people and what people are passionate about. And I came across three categories of passions. And the first one is healthy passions. Healthy passions, they are activities that give you satisfaction without negatively affecting your well-being. Like fitness, like some people are, are passionate about healthy food and they try to eat veggies and they fuel you. They keep you going. Passions keep you going. They get you wake up in the morning. Healthy passions, they make you make progress in life. People without passion don't make progress. People with, with passion, they move forward because they are passionate about something. They, they have the courage to do it. They stay healthy and productive because... They are passionate. So healthy passions give you purpose. You live for something because you are passionate about it. 
you are passionate. And the second category is dangerous passions. Dangerous passions. Activities that give you satisfaction but negatively affect your well-being. You are still passionate about it, but it's killing you slowly. Romans chapter 7 verse 5 says, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions operated through the law in every part of us and bore fruit for death. In every part of your body, in every part of you, passions, they drive you, they, fall, they, they direct you, they, they push you to do things. But these ones were sinful passions, unhealthy passions, dangerous passions. They bring temporary satisfaction, but they harm your spiritual life, or they harm your mental health, or they, they harm your physical health. Somehow, they harm you. You may not see immediate physical harm, but in the long run, they damage your relationships. They damage your health. They damage your physical health. But they are passionate. You are still passionate about it. You still feel like doing it. You wake up in the morning, you remember doing it. You go at work, you still remember doing it. Everywhere you are, you are passionate about it, but it is dangerous passion. And the third category is godly passions. Godly passions are activities that give you satisfaction with eternal impact on you and other people. They don't just give you satisfaction like healthy passions and they don't just help you live well, but they affect you and affect other people eternally. Godly passions affect your life now and forever. Godly passions change people around you now and for eternity. So let's go to Psalm 96, 2-4. I'll read from NLT. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all God. The common thing about among all passionate people is that they love talking about their passions. The psalmist is telling us to, to be passionate about telling people the good news that God saves. To be passionate about telling people what God has done for us. If you are passionate about God, you will be passionate about telling people what God has done for you. Passion is translated in what you say. It says, each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Each day. Don't miss a day without telling someone that God saves. If you are passionate about God, you will tell people that he saves. So he saves from what? What does God save from and where does God save to? He saves from sin and the consequences of sin. Some of the consequences of sin is shame. 
After you have made a mistake in your life, you feel ashamed for your mistakes. You live with this shame in your heart, in your life. You live with the shame that, oh, I've done that, I've done that, and I did that, and I did that. That is a consequence of sin in your life. Or guilt is another consequence of sin. You live with this guilt, you regret for what you've done in the past. You live with this regret that for the things you did 10 years ago, for the things you did 15 years ago, you still hold that shame and that regret for the things you did. That is the consequence of sin. And there are other consequences of sins. What Jesus does, he saves us from the consequences of sin. He takes that shame away. He takes that guilt away. You begin to live your life free from shame and free from guilt. That is what God does for us. So why not share that? There are people out there who are still carrying the consequences of their sins. They are still living in shame and guilt for their past. Why not share with them what Jesus has done for you? And the psalmist is telling us, share with people the good news that he saves. He saves from what? The consequences of sin. There are many consequences of sin. Many consequences of sin here on earth and eternally. Why not tell people what God has done for you? He has saved you from the consequences of sin. But he has also saved you from sin itself. Those who belong to Christ, those who have made a decision to follow Jesus, they've received the power to say no to sin. Let me be honest with you, Christians. If you are a Christian... The Holy Spirit lives in you. You choose to sin. Every time you are about to sin, there is a voice in you that tells you, stop that, stop that, stop that. There is a voice in you reminding you. Why? Because you have the power not to sin. You have received the power to become a child of God. You have the power not to sin. We sin because we choose to. But we have received Freedom from sin. We have. And that is something to tell the world. People who are struggling with something in their lives, they need to hear that they can be saved from sin and the consequence of it. And if God has done it for you, you can tell others he has done it for you. You don't need much to share your faith. You just need to have an experience. After meditating on several scriptures, let me share a story with you of a, a lawyer, uh, an attorney. He meditated upon the Bible, he meditated upon the Bible, and he decided to cancel the debt of every client who owed him money for more than six months. He decided, I'm going to forgive everybody who owes me money for more than six months. Then he drafted a letter explaining his decision and its biblical basis. He explained to everyone who owed money to him for more than six months, sent a letter to everyone, this is why I'm forgiving you. Then he sent these letters via certified mail. He went to the post and sent them all, 17 
one by one, the postal service returned the letters. Unsigned and undelivered to the guy. And he thought at the beginning, maybe one person moved away or one person was missing or something. But not three, four, ten letters, 15 letters, and 16 out of the 17 letters all came to him. And he, he searched to understand, why did this letter come back to me? And the post told him, 16 of the 17 letters were returned to you because the client refused to sign for them. They were afraid that you were suing them for their debt. So when they saw the letter, they thought, oh, who is it coming from? The attorney? Thank you. They returned the letters. How profound. We owe the debt of our sin to God. And God is willingly to cancel it. But too many people will not even open the letter that explains how he will forgive us. Many people are afraid to open the letter that says you are forgiven. Because they think God is after them to condemn them. And those who have opened the letter and saw the surprise that you've been forgiven, your debts have been forgiven, they can't stop by talking about it. They feel like the energy, the passion to share, God has forgiven me. And that's what I mean by you just need a story. If you know you were a sinner, if you know you've made mistakes in your life, and you understand God has forgiven you, that's all you need to share your faith. Just the experience that you are forgiven. The psalmist continues and says, Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Being passionate about God does not need to be complicated. It doesn't. It simply needs to be telling people what God has done. People can argue about the theological fact. You can argue about baptism and this and that. and the Baptism in the Holy Spirit and baptism in hot water. And, and women preaching and not preaching and leadership. We can argue about those things forever. But people cannot argue with your own experience. What you experienced, you experienced. It's your story. It's your life with God. So some things like, I was feeling anxious and I prayed. Oh yeah. And I felt better. Who can argue with that? You were feeling anxious. You prayed. <laughs> People, people yeah, that's your experience. People will not argue with that. I was reading the Bible and I discovered that. That's your experience. You were reading the Bible and your eyes were open to something. I went to church and the message today said this and I believe this. Those are things you can put in your conversations and nobody will argue with them. They may not like it. 
But it's your story. It's your experience. That's why we call this message Courageous God Conversations. You inject God in your conversations. At work, inject God. It may not be allowed in your office to talk about Jesus to force people. Oh, yeah. But it's allowed to say, I went to church yesterday. I don't think any office will fire you because you said you went to church yesterday. It's your experience you're just sharing with your people. If anybody feels like asking questions after that, you can fall. Yeah, they asked. But those are status. I prayed. I read the Bible. You don't need to, you don't need to be super spiritual and shout hallelujah in people's faces and speak in tongues. No, you don't need that. You just need to inject those God conversations as status for sharing your faith. Pastor Brown calls it being naturally spiritual. I, I don't know if, for example, Helen tells someone, her client, I was switching the cameras at church yesterday for my pastor's message. That's a good start, isn't it? Okay, so you, you have a pastor? So you, Are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah. You, you have just started a conversation. We should be intentional talking about our experiences with people around us. We should be intentional as Christians. You know, there is a story that is told about a barber who went to church and decided to follow Jesus on a Sunday. Just like maybe you are here and you are a barber. Today you are invited to give your life to Jesus. A barber went to church and decided to follow Jesus. And the next day he went to work excited, passionate about sharing his faith. And a, a client came and the barber began, began to shave him. He was trying to master up the, the right word to say. He was trying to figure out how am I going to start sharing my faith with this person. Very new in faith. And he was holding his razor in his hand and, and shaving the guy. And so finally he found some words and he, he faced the guy with his razor poised over the man's throat and said, are you prepared to meet God? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> His intention was good. Like he, he intended well. Like he found the words. Ah, yeah, I can ask him that question. But the timing was wrong. The timing was, are you prepared to meet God <laughs> with with your razor here? <laughs> We should be passionate about sharing our faith. We should be passionate about sharing our faith. Luke chapter 9 verse 26. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the son of man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory, in the glory of the father and the holy angels. 
Jesus speaking. Sharing your faith is not about recruiting people to a cult. It's not about recruiting people to a religion, a set of rules. No. Sharing your faith is about pointing a confused world to the answer. A hungry nation where to find food and a broken generation to the healer. You need to know why we do it. We don't share our faith to recruit people to our church or to recruit people to a cult or a religion. We share our faith because the world is broken out there and we know only Jesus can heal it. We share our faith because we know people are confused out there. They have questions without answers, but we know Jesus is the answer. We share our faith because we know our neighbors are hungry for the truth. They are hungry for the truth. And we know Jesus is the bread of life. That's why we share our faith. We don't just do it because the pastor said we should do it or because I read the Bible and it says we should do it. We have a reason. There is a purpose. Our passion has a purpose. The world needs that message. Do not be ashamed to share the good news. It is called the good news. Christianity, in its uncompromising form, is unpopular. If you really, really go inside Christianity, you'll understand it's not popular. It's not. It's not. So the desire to maintain our relationship with people brings the temptation to be ashamed of Jesus at work, at school. If I talk about Jesus, what would my friends say about me? What would they think I am? Oh, it's not cool to be a Christian. It's not cool. Look at Christianity. It's unpopular. And that's why Jesus says, if you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you one day. Someone is hungry. And you know where to find the bread. Someone is hurting and you know where to find the healer. Someone is confused and you know where to find answers. That's why you should share your faith. So maybe you would say, no, I'm not passionate about it. I don't feel the passion to share my faith. Or I used to have passion, but I've lost it. What do I do? So I have a scripture for you. Revelation chapter 2 verse 5. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Watch this. According to this passage, according to this scripture, your passion or your passions don't leave you. You leave them. If you read this again, your passions don't go away, you go away. Your passions have not left you, you left them. Remember how far you have fallen. You have fallen. Your passion did not fall. You have fallen and left your passion there. So if you have lost your passions, this is how you will get it back. Don't try to call your passions back. Go where you left them. 
It is up to you to find where you left your passion. Maybe you don't have passion for your spouse anymore, you would say. I don't feel like, I don't feel like loving my spouse, my wife anymore. I don't feel like you have left her in your heart. She did not leave you. You lost passion. Or maybe you would say, I've lost passion for exercising. I used to exercise me. I used to be fit. You look at me. I used to be. You used to. You used to. You used to. You don't anymore. Because you have fallen. You left it. You don't do it anymore. (laughs) And we blame those things. I don't know what is happening now with exercise. I don't know. They've complicated things now. To enter the gym now, you need card. Why that? You we, before we are no, no, no. Don't find excuses. You have fallen from exercising. That's why you are not fit anymore. Okay. Or you would say, no, I lost my passion for prayer. I've lost my passion for reading the Bible. I've lost my passion for attending church. I don't feel like going to church anymore. I don't have the the, the passion for God anymore. Remember how far you have fallen, my friend. You remember how far you have fallen. And look back and go where you started. That's what the the Bible says. Your passion hasn't left you. You left it. And then he says, and do the works you did at first. This is the advice for you if you have lost your passion. Godly passions are not feelings. Godly passion is not a feeling. You don't need to feel like praying, feel like going to church, feel like sharing your faith. You don't need to feel like doing it. It's not an emotion, it's a decision. So do the works you used to do. There are activities attached to passion. The works that are attached to passion. For example, you, you, you used to take your wife for dinner. Every Friday evening. No, Saturday evening. Oh, one of those. Or both. Thank you. What happened? Why, why have you lost the passion? No, you just stopped doing it. And God says, go do the works you used to do. This Friday, take her out. This coming Friday. That's what God is saying. If you have lost passion for something, start doing the things you used to do. That's what the Bible tells us. You used to exercise. Oh, my friend, tomorrow morning, wake up early and start running. Passion hasn't left you. You left it. You left it. Okay. You come to church when you feel like. And you say, I don't have passion for it. God says... Just just be honest with yourself. You don't just take it seriously. Be consistent. Be consistent. Oh, I don't see anything coming from it. Because you're not consistent. You're not planted. That's why you don't see anything coming from it. Out of it. Oh, I read the Bible twice and I didn't hear anything. Of course. Those who read it twice only don't get anything out of it. (laughs) 
Those who read it consistently, year after years, those are the people who get stuff from it. Oh, I prayed and I don't think God even listened to me because it was so dry. Of course it was dry because it was just once. If you keep praying and keep praying and keep praying, then you will start feeling something. Consistency. Do the things you used to do before. God is calling us to do. Godly passions are not emotions. They are activities that we do. You need to go get it where you left it. Where you left your passion. Where did you leave your passion for God? Where did you, how did you stop talking about God? What happened? Is it fear of persecution or fear of being ridiculed by your friend? Go back there. Deal with that fear. Start talking about God again. I was surprised one day in our Connect group, and Ray, for the first time, he was like, Jesus, we thank you, Jesus. Oh, Ray. Ray is praying. Loudly in Connect Group. Wow. Very new to faith. He was very new to faith. And he was calm all the time. He couldn't. And in that day, passion. He decided to do it. It comes by practicing. And now he does pray. He prays. Why? Because he started to do the things. Everything you stop doing, you stop being passionate about. Everything. Then he continues, he says, Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. When you stop doing the work for our marriages, we lose it. When you stop to do the things for your fitness, you lose it. Fitness did not leave you. You lost it because you stopped doing the things you were doing before. When we stop doing the work of for our faith, we lose it. Why don't people ask themselves, why don't I feel like I love God? You don't feel like you love God because you don't do the things you used to do with God. Or you haven't doing you haven't started to do the things that you are supposed to do with God. That's why you don't feel passionate about God. You stopped doing, or you haven't started to do the things you're supposed to do with God. Everything you stop being passionate about, you lose. Jesus is looking for Christians passionate about seeing the world around them healed. Jesus is looking for people passionate about showing a hungry neighborhood where to find bread. Jesus is looking for passionate individuals telling the lost world that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is looking for Christians who will make him their highest passion. What is your highest passion? What do you talk always about? What fills your mind what are you passionate about? Being naturally spiritual is making our conversations full of what we do relating to our faith. Would you start tomorrow? Would you start today, this afternoon? There is a world that needs Jesus out there. We don't do it for us. 
We don't do it even for our church. We don't do it for the pastor. We don't do it for anyone. We do it for God. Because the people need him. The people in your life need him. 